Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Deconstructing the Psyche. This is your host, Michael Breesh, and that's it. Uh, Eamon's not here today. I'm doing a solo podcast um, for a couple reasons. I wanted to talk about a show that I had recently watched two times, uh, almost back to back, and I you can tell maybe by that that I really loved the show and I thought it was a good thing to talk about and Eamon hasn't watched it and it's a Friday morning which is not when we usually do this so I go ahead and do it on my own and so the show I wanted to talk about is The Bear uh, I don't know man this this show hit me pretty hard in uh, many ways I think on a personal level a bit um, a lot of ways that I kind of identify with some of these characters here but I wanted to I guess maybe talk about right now just a few things that I really enjoy about this show it's 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 such a positive show I think you know there is a lot of chaos that goes on in it there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of cursing there's a lot of anger uh, a lot of people who are very use very strong words towards each other but overall I think the the message of the show is very positive uh, it's a lot about people trying to work through life people who are trying to reimagine their life maybe uh, people who are starting over people who are trying to realize that it is never too late to do something new and to see what you can be and getting up after you make mistakes and learning from those and going through these processes um i also think that the community and the work that you do as a team is really emphasized especially in season two and we get that a lot with the coach k book kind of being spliced in there a bit Um, but that's what a lot of this show revolves around it's working with people um, doing things with a group and kind of seeing the results of that and we have a big disparity there between you know carmen as the main character and the family that he came from which was truly broken in many ways and didn't seem to be operating as a unit in any way and then you come to him in the present day working with this team of people who were broken when he got there and they slowly started to rebuild and begin working together and i think at the end of season two we start to see some of the fruits of that and i think that what this show is really revolving around is the importance of working with other people in a team and kind of having some unified goal that you're all um, on the same page with. Those are some of the themes that I see in this show that I I enjoy, but I I did want to spend most of the time talking today about some of the psychology of the characters, especially Carmen. I think that's pretty much all we're going to talk about right now. Uh, This is a great character he's very complicated complex psychologically and i think it is worth 
talking about what's going on with him a little bit more to gain some insight into his mind. Uh, and so I'm really going to just spend some time talking about the last two episodes of season two, which I think are a great kind of pairing in that we're seeing the beginning of that day of opening for them in the ninth episode. And then the 10th episode of it actually going down and, and the aftermath of it. Uh, the first scene I think that struck me, and this is the first scene of the episode nine essentially is after Carmen had slept with Claire. And so he's finally getting into this relationship, right? He's, he's found this girl who seems to be perfect in some, in some way, obviously she's not going to be perfect. She has flaws, but she seems like a great catch. And, um, this is kind of one of the things that a lot of the people are saying to him is like, she, this is a good thing. You know, we love Claire. Don't mess this up. Um, she, she's good for you, all this kind of stuff. But the, the way the episode starts is we get this zoom in on Carmen and he seems to be struggling a lot with what's going on. And I think the fact that he's slept with Claire and kind of committed to this relationship in a physical way at that point is causing him a lot of stress and anxiety. And as we kind of zoom in on him, we're seeing all these mixed images and distorted music playing in the background. And the images are kind of a mix of these shots of Claire, you know, and what, what she looks like and how she appears and kind of her essence and all these really great things. But then it's all mixed with the chaos from his family and all the stuff that he's been through and what his psyche is really composed of for the most part. And so I think what we're being presented here is in Carmen's mind, the conflict that's going on between finding something that's positive in his life, something that's good for him and maybe his internal dialogue or his, his, the way he speaks to himself or thinks to himself about what his life is supposed to be, or maybe even what he deserves. Um, and I think this goes along very closely with what we've seen in the scenes where he goes to the Al-Anon meetings and other conversations he had with people where he talks about the shoe is going to drop, waiting for the other shoe going to drop. This is a mentality that comes out of addiction prone families often where there's always something bad that's going to happen. And this is partly because in those families, something terrible or bad was always going to happen. And we see that in the episode seven and second season where we're getting a glimpse into his family with his mother, especially and her chaotic nature. And it's like, yes, this is what he is used to. He is used to things are not going to work out. Things are going to blow up in your face. Um, anything you think is going well, it's eventually going to end in a catastrophic way. And so I think this is why we're seeing these mixed images when we're zooming in on him, because this is what he is envisioning is, yes, I have this good thing. Yes, this is working out, but the rest of my life is indicating that it's not going to last and that it's going to, it's going to stop at some point. 
Um, I think this is what, if a person has this type of mentality, they are the ones that are prone to self-defeating or self-destructive behaviors in that they will sabotage themselves and they will do things to their own life, which will cause things to blow up and cause things to end prematurely because they don't want to see it happen to them. They don't want to go through the stress of that. And we get that in the 10th episode in the fridge scene, which we'll talk about in a bit. But I think this is why we're seeing these images. And one of the things that comes up with me, comes up for me in, in watching Carmen and this scene and others is this guy is a perfectionist. Um, he wants to, he wants to be the best. He doesn't want to make any mistakes. He's always trying to protect bad things from happening. He's planning ahead. He's, he's looking into the future often. It was like, we need to get everything in line. And this is not only the case with his work as a chef, but it's, we're kind of seeing it maybe here with his relationship too now and that it has to be perfect. Everything has to be exactly the right way. And if it's not, maybe it's not worth doing at all. So if things are not worth doing at all because you can't do them perfectly, then maybe you just end the relationship, right? Or maybe you just end being a cook. And these are some of the things he starts considering at the end of season two and episode 10 is maybe we should just end these things. Outside of that scene, I think the other scene in episode nine, which really interested me, was the one where his uncle Cicero, I believe, is talking to him about uh, Bartman and about what was going on with the Cubs and how everybody blamed Bartman, but they should have been blaming Alex Gonzalez. And I, I think his intentions are good in that you know the uncle has a lot invested in this comp in this restaurant and he wants it to succeed and he's telling Car Carmen you're the guy be the fucking guy and don't fuck up basically like you have nobody that you can blame at this point you can't you can't say anybody else was at fault and I think that even though the uncle has good intentions this is exactly not what Carmen needs he he can't he actually already puts way too much pressure on himself to be perfect and is slightly obsessive already. And this is kind of just telling him to do more of that. It's saying you can't have a life outside of being a restaurateur or being a chef. You have to put all your blood and effort into this. And if you don't, then it's going to be a catastrophe. And even when the Carmen says that he's in a relationship now, the uncle says, uh oh. And he is basically like, you gotta get out of this relationship. Uh, this is not going to work. And yeah, it's not gonna work if he wants to be an obsessive madman about his work. But I think we're already seeing that that doesn't really work well for Carmen. And it's just causing his life to be that much more stressful and that much more painful and something that he talks about a couple times is he doesn't enjoy it he's not having fun he he has a absence of fun and joy in his life uh, 
And it's like, well, is that really what you want? You know, is, is needing to be a perfectionist and needing to set unrealistic standards for yourself the best thing, especially when it makes you push other people away from you in your life. And I think that's what we're seeing not only with his relationship with Claire at the end, but he kind of does this with other people too. When he wants to be a perfectionist and when he wants everything exactly so, that's when he starts yelling at people. That's when he starts getting aggressive. That's when he starts kind of disparaging other people and putting them down and making them feel less than. And all that's going to do is make people not want to be around him and make people want to go the other way. And it's like, so is it worth it to be a perfectionist who is at the top of the game, but everybody hates you and nobody wants to be around you and everybody's scared of you? I don't know if that's the case. So then we get into episode 10 and you know, the whole crew is doing their thing and they're, they're kind of, it seems like things are going well. There's a few hiccups that start happening. Um, but it seems like things start to derail a little bit when he believes, when Carmen believes he sees his old boss, uh, Joel McHale, his character from the, I guess the boss from New York city who was very demanding and was a perfectionist himself and was the perfect uh, enemy for Carmen because Carmen's already taken it too hard on himself already because of his up his upbringing, and so this guy kind of just added to that fire. And so when Carmen sees this guy, he starts freaking out, and everything is all of a sudden it's like this is not a normal night anymore. It's not calm. It's not relaxed. It's everything has to be completely perfect, and if it's not. Um, there's going to be hell to pay. We, I think we can see Joel McHale's character as kind of a transference object for Carmen's mother uh, because it seems like Carmen's mother did the same thing to him. And is, you know, if you want to look at this from a psychodynamic perspective, and that your childhood, especially your mother relationship, and how, and how much of a part it plays in your life. I think we can look at his mother as being the cause for much of who he is and how he is and his need to always do things exactly right and never feeling like things are good enough. And I think the the old boss, um, his appearance and Carmen believing he sees him, the transference object, it's almost like his mother is sitting there and looking at him and judging him and saying, your shit you're not doing good enough so Carmen starts freaking out and uh, I think that's when things start to go downhill and we start to have some more problems in the kitchen um, but then he goes into the fridge and he gets locked in there and he he kind of references this of I think I did this to myself and that's what I was talking about earlier with the uh, self-sabotaging or self-destructive behaviors it's like he knew he needed to get that fridge fixed. He knew that that door was broken and that something needed to do, be done about it, but he didn't do it. And it's almost like this unconscious thing of, 
I am going to make certain decisions that allow me to fail because I don't think that I can do this. I don't think that I'm good enough. I believe that I need to kind of blow things up for myself um, because of maybe how I feel about myself or how I think about myself. And he, he kind of is having some insights into that when he gets into the fridge, right? And then when he's in there, he's, he starts talking about all the problems and the failures of like the last two seasons of the show, basically. Um, he's, he's thinking about it and thinking about everything that's gone wrong. All these images are coming through his mind. Uh, he's getting really down on himself. And it's crazy to me when you think about this in like the larger context and perspective, because where have they come from? When he came into that place, it was running like there was, there was no structure, nothing was going on. Uh, nobody had any idea of what a restaurant should be. He basically turned the entire staff around and then was able to take the, the old Chicago beef down and put up a new restaurant and start it within a very short amount of time and there's a lot of people that are helping, but he is one of the primary reasons for that. Everything is centered around Carmen, and somehow he can't see any of that. He's not he's not noticing any of the positive things that have happened. He is not noticing how um, some of the other chefs are becoming more confident. How uh, Sydney is kind of running the show now. How Marcus is making these amazing desserts, how Tina is way more confident in herself and as doing things that she's never done. He doesn't see any of that. All he's able to see are the fuck ups. And he's looking at the tape on the tape labels on all the um, boxes in there in the fridge and noticing how they're not cut on both sides. And it's just this like really great way of showing the way that the perfectionist is viewing things and how if not if everything is not exactly how it should be then the whole thing is a failure then the whole thing is a disaster and he's you know he's talking to tina as he's in there and he's kind of mentioning some of these things to her and she's just like what are you talking about man like you're you can't see what's going on here you can't see how important you are to everybody and what you've done he can only see the bad and she really doesn't understand that it seems like he thinks the all these small mistakes are what define him as a person and i think this is a lot very much related to his relationship with his mom and how it seemed like she was always focused on all these very small things that maybe he didn't have much control over and that he was his self-worth was based off of that and she was often it seems like she was very judgmental and often criticizing him and his other siblings and you got to think like how much that plays a part in his current psyche I want to take a kind of a segue real quick to 
that episode with um, the family fishes and the brother Mike. And, you know, one of the things I noticed in that episode is it seems like the Mike was the surrogate father in a way. It sounds like their father died from a young age and the stepfather may have come in. Um, Bob Odenkirk's character, but wasn't much of a father. And it seems like Mike had to take over those responsibilities for the family. And maybe that kind of gives us a little information about why Mike killed himself and couldn't take it anymore in that he had way too much responsibility put on his plate not only to be the surrogate father but then also to try to take care of his mother who was a wreck and a mess and he was kind of like the guy that had to hold everything together and that seems like way too much for any person to do in life and we see a few moments in that episode where he's trying to keep everything in he's trying to keep all the emotion in and all the feelings that he has for his brother especially and not like let him know what's really going on and you know we get Carmen who thinks that Mike is trying to push uh, away and reject him in a sense but we get this idea that Mike was actually trying to do the best for Carmen and that he wanted him to leave he wanted him to get out of there and do his own thing and you know be better than me because it doesn't seem like Mike did much with his life and maybe he, he just couldn't because of his situation. And it's, he, it seems like he wanted Carmen to do more and to succeed. And obviously Carmen took that a different way because that wasn't communicated to him directly, but um, it seemed like Mike was trying to do the best thing for everybody else. And maybe that was part of the reason that he end its life is that he was never doing what was good for him and it's um you know it's it's something that hangs over the show obviously like that's that's what this show is is based around and started from is uh, mike committing suicide and the repercussions of that um and i think that's a uh, you know there there's so much that we we can forget about that we can forget about that that fact and the relevance of place to the show but obviously for the characters especially Carmen um, it's it's there and it can't it can't be forgotten back to the 10th episode he's continuing on to talk about how maybe he messed up and he says things like I failed you guys and it's not going to happen again he, he's trying to commit to being a perfectionist and to never making any mistakes and that he's going to do it right the next time. And we can only maybe imagine that he was saying the same types of things to his mom uh, when he was young and telling her, like, I'm never going to do that again. I'm never going to mess up. Or maybe even having that in his mind uh, because of his mom's critical nature. It seems like he, he never wants to fail uh, even though he has to, uh, if failure and, and mistakes are all an important part of the process, but it's almost like he's not okay with him doing it. He tells other people that that's okay. He tells Sydney that th that's okay. He tells other people that when he's calm, 
but especially when he's stressed and when he's talking to himself, those aren't mistakes aren't permitted. And he goes on and he says, I wasn't here. I'm a fucking psycho. Um, I'm the best because I didn't have any of this fucking bullshit. I had a routine. So this is kind of going back to this, not only the perfectionist attitude, but also the kind of addict mind state. And I think he has that in him. He is a, he's a sort of an addict. He's just not using substances. And he, he's talking about how he needed to be very compartmentalized. You know, he has to have a rigid routine and cut all relationships out of his life and only focus on one thing. And that's the only way to do it. Um, but it kind of goes back to this thing I was saying earlier is how much is that bringing to your life in terms of satisfaction and how much are you cutting other people out because of that? I think when he was doing all his school and training to be a chef, he didn't have any relationships. He was just cut off from everybody. And it seemed like his family was a secondary thing at that point. And yeah, he was getting better, but what is the cost of that? Uh, it's, it's like he, he can only do things in that routine way and with complete and utter devotion, but it destroys all other parts of his life. Um, it's also a way for him to be in control and to have that rigid mind state. And I think control is another big part of that addict mind state of, I'm not going to let anything happen that's not supposed to happen. And I'm going to be on top of everything and nothing's going to get by me. And that seems just like another way for him to not let life happen and for um, pain to come into his life because that's what happens is when, you know, the unexpected happens, it's painful and it seems like he doesn't want that to ever be the case. And so instead he's just going to be very rigid and control all elements around him. But I think he's finding, especially when he's working with a group and with a team is that you can't do that all the time. Everybody else is going to have mistakes and things are going to happen and you cannot do anything about that. And maybe that's why this is so difficult for him when he's sitting in the fridge, because he literally cannot do anything about it when he's in the fridge. He's cut off from all chance at control and changing anything in that time. And then he continues going on. And this is when Claire comes and she's on the other side of the fridge without him realizing it. And he says, I don't need to have any amusement or enjoyment because no amount of good is worth how bad this fucking feels. And I, I'd sum this up to him basically saying, I don't need to have fun in my life because not being perfect is much worse than trying to have fun or having enjoyment. And so it's, it's like, yeah, I'm not going to have fun because I need to be perfect and not being perfect is a problem for me. That is something that doesn't compute in my life. And it's, it's a, it's a lot of suffering for me to not be that perfect person and to not be totally in control and rigid on everything. 
and so I will reject all types of enjoyment in my life. And obviously having Claire hear that is devastating to her because she wants to have fun. You know, she's a fun loving person. She's somebody that wants to enjoy things and she sees the good and stuff. And maybe she's, you know, hearing through that conversation too, is that he's rejecting her. He's saying, I don't need you. Uh, I just need my work and that's it. And I will be very interested to see how uh, that comes out in the third season and if they are able to resolve that. I don't know. And then I guess the last thing I want to talk about before I end is the one where after Richie, and Richie's a great character too. He He's, you know, he's one of my favorites. I think that scene in the 10th episode when he kind of just is completely lucid and calm and is like, yeah, I'll do it. I'm ready. I'm, I'm good. It's such a great change for that character to be in that position of put it on me. Like, let me do this. I'm ready as compared to the guy that we were getting for most of the show of not being interested and kind of fucking around and being a jokester all the time and finally taking something serious. It was a really great moment there. Um, but obviously this was a bad moment, not only for him, but also for Carmen when they started attacking each other. And I think a lot of just their, it's like their trauma is coming out almost their trauma of their lives. And, you know, Richie telling Carmen that he should be more grateful for what he has with Claire and that he's, he, you know, he's messing up and he kind of compares him to his mom, which was obviously not a good choice. But I think the things that Carmen say are much more uh, deep in terms of their resentment. And he says a couple of things like, you need me and that you're nothing and you're a leech. And I think that this is a reaction from Carmen in that he is feeling very low at this time. And he feels horrible, not only about not being a perfectionist, not being able to be a perfectionist, not being able to control everything, but also what he said to Claire in that now he has to feel better. And the way he feels better is by projecting onto Richie and to kind of putting himself in a position of power in relation to Richie. And Richie is a really easy target. You know, we've seen Sydney do this before too. And people are able to take things out on him because yeah, he's an easy target. He's he, he's open. He's not somebody who's hiding so much his, his weaknesses and his inabilities. They're kind of like there and people can take advantage of that. And it's kind of sad that he does that in that moment, but it's like Carmen has to feel better about himself because he's at such a low point. And I think this is another thing that we're going to, it'll be very interesting to see how that works out because it seems like a big rupture in their relationship and not the type of conversation that they're used to having. And I also just love the fact that they're talking through the fridge door and not able to see each other directly while they're having this conversation. And maybe that allows them to speak their minds more because they're not actually seeing each other. And maybe they're saying the things that they truly feel deep down instead of holding some things back. 
I don't know. I think this is all I wanted to talk about. I, you know, this is about 30 minutes, not a long podcast, but I wanted to get some thoughts out there. I was really interested in um, this character, this Carmen especially, and I, I am, I, I don't know how long it's going to be until a third season comes out of the show, but I will be anticipating it greatly. I encourage people to watch the show if they haven't. And yeah, I think that's about it. So I'm going to end right there. Thank you for listening. We will be hopefully putting out another podcast next week. Um, We're going to be doing one, I think, this weekend. So stay tuned for that. And yeah, let's hopefully start getting back into these. This has been Deconstructing the Psyche. This is Michael. This is Raymond. Raymond's not here. And I'll see you next time, baby. Bye.